Greenlight Network presents Football Time. Welcome to Football Time Show. We're here for week 13 of the NFL season. Week 12, we still probably don't have any idea who the top teams are in the NFL, but here to try to sort that out and uh, get us on the right track uh, is Achilles Reign. We're going to see if we can find our five mutuals and then give our best bets of the week. Are you ready to dive into week 13? Yeah, I, I'm as ready as can be. It's been uh, it's been a rough couple of weeks for favorites and uh, for picking at all. Uh, and if you're a Ram fan, it's been doubly depressing. Yeah, uh, definitely so. And uh, I, I think last week was probably uh, the first time I had only made three NFL bets uh, in in a very long time. Now, granted, I made some first touchdown bets and some fun prop stuff, but of uh, money wagered. I, I bet on three games last week and went two and one. So uh, that's how out of it uh, I, I'm sort of am right now. Let's uh, talk about last night's uh, Thursday night football game before we get in fully into the weekend games. Uh, Cowboys sort of back on track. They still don't look, uh, I, I'd say, all that smooth. I, that Saints team really didn't offer anything. Uh, you know, even with Taysom Hill back, they had a little bit more juice, I thought, on offense. But their receivers are just uh, beyond poor. Uh, without Kamara, they can't seem to get their running game going. So uh, Cowboys get back in the win column there. But uh, uh, they don't look anything uh, really like the team we probably saw those first you know, six weeks. Now, some of that can be, you know, injuries moving in and out. Uh, Zeke doesn't look great. I I'm going to touch on that in a second because I, I don't understand why they're even playing him right now. Uh, you know, uh, there's not really anything for them to play for with, uh, you know, the Eagles losing. Maybe Washington can maybe push them for that division. But uh, what'd you make of last night's game? You know, I thought it was a little bit disappointing. I actually had a couple of bets on this game. Um, I had under 43 and a half points. And I had, um, the pick six is always the Cowboys. <laughs> Jeez. You know, I was watching that game is, is pretty uneventful, uh, going into like the second half. And, um, the saints got the ball back after a turnover by Dak Prescott. And I thought, okay, uh, this is my shot. You know, taste is going to drive down. They're going to get a touchdown. Time's going to run out basically. And they're going to lose by three which is exactly where I wanted it to be. I would have hit yeah. just about every single bet I had on that game. But of course, you know, he ends up throwing an interception. They threw a flag. I was hoping it was on the Cowboys and it turned out to be on the Saints. So you got to pick six there and uh, it just kind of went downhill from there. But as you mentioned, the Cowboys don't look like the same team that we saw over the last, you know, uh, for, sorry, over the last, the first six weeks or so where they looked uh, like a very potent offense um, and a very stingy defense with the ability to cause turnovers. Uh, it's definitely slowed down a lot, which being realistic, you know, we didn't expect that type of um, level of, of efficiency from that defense to continue for an entire season. You know, it's unrealistic, but it, it definitely feels like a different Cowboy team as a whole. So um, overall, you know, they got the win, so they got back on track, but you know, they haven't looked great, and, and I think it's a little concerning if you're a Cowboy fan. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, from our conversations, uh, I think it was week six, maybe week seven, 
you know, I, I really did think the Cowboys could make a run here in the playoffs. And, you know, depending on who gets in, I mean, they look prime, you know, for a first round exit here. And uh, I, I think they could probably get back to it. You know, Cooper was back. Lamb was back. Uh, now we'll touch on the Zeke thing. You know, he, he's clearly hurt, uh, you know, but they keep putting him out there and, you know, it's not like a giant situation where your backup running back is like Devontae Booker, so you have to play Zeke. I mean, the best player in that game yesterday was probably Tony Pollard, so I don't understand why the Cowboys keep pushing Zeke out there on a bruised knee when you could have basically rested him on the Thanksgiving game, rested him on this game, and then you got the bye week coming up. You could have given him three weeks rest, and I don't think the level would have dropped, you know, from Zeke to Tony Pollard. I I just don't understand why they keep forcing the issue and forcing him carries uh, for really no reason whatsoever. It's not like these are must-win games here. Yeah, I mean, I have no real explanation here, but we've seen several different instances where a team is playing a player a lot of money, so they tend to utilize him more, even though the handcuff, the backup, uh, is performing uh, you know, at a much greater and more efficient pace. Uh, and that seems to be the situation here in Dallas. Uh, at least in my opinion, I feel like Pollard has been the better running back of the two. Uh, Zeke has really fallen off. Now you mentioned he has been dealing with some injuries, but even prior to the injuries, you know, he hasn't been quite the same Zeke that we're used to seeing. Uh, there's definitely been a drop off there. And I don't understand why you wouldn't rest him, especially when the injury issue came up. Uh, as you mentioned, you had the ability to send for three weeks with three winnable games and decided not to. So now, it's probably going to be a lingering issue going forward. I don't think that the bye week itself will be enough to get him back to hundred uh, percent. But with that being said, who's really at hundred percent at this point in the season? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just, you know, you sort of look at that situation and then you look over at the Cardinals situation who basically did the exact same thing. They said, okay, well, you know, we sort of have this division, you know, sort of locked down. Now, you know, uh, it would have been interesting if the Rams, you know, coincided and played well, you know, those weeks and, and put a little pressure on them. But I think because the Rams, you know, kept losing, the Cardinals were like, well, we got found money here. We can sort of lose these games. So we aren't going to play Kyler and, and ride it into our bye week. And now, you know, theoretically, Kyler's probably going to be, you know, in and around 100% coming into this game versus the Bears. So it, it's just interesting, interesting, with such a good backup that they, you know, choose to keep throwing him out there. Now I know it's a bruised knee and it's probably, you know, not really going to get worse, but it, it just seems like if you have the ability to rest somebody, probably rest them. It, the NBA seems to have figured that out. Uh, I, I don't understand quite why the NFL hasn't figured that out yet. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty simple, you know, as you mentioned, it's not going to get worse, but it can get better. So, yeah. I mean, it's that simple. All I know is next year, Neither of us are going to be talking about the uh, week uh, 13 win by the Dallas Cowboys versus the Saints, uh, but we might be talking yeah. if they lose in the first round of the playoffs and Zeke isn't all that healthy. Yeah, turning point of the season. <laughs> all right, uh, let's get into this week's games. Um, I, I don't really... This has just been a weird run here. Now, there's one really, really good game this week, but it's once again... A lot of just bad matchups of games, you know, I don't want to watch. It's really interesting that uh, 
you know, usually I get fatigued uh, about the college football season by about, you know, week eight or nine. And I wasn't too fatigued this year, but, you know, last week watching those NFL games, I could just feel fatigue. Everybody just seems to not be very good. And I'm watching a lot of bad football. And it looks like we're going to watch a lot of bad football again this week. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much of that is to blame, uh, you know, with the scheduling and, and the matchmaking or, I mean, it's really hard to pinpoint because I really thought that at this point in the season, we would have at least a good idea of the elites, the goods and the bads. And and I really can't tell you, I mean, other than a few really bad teams like the Jets and the Jaguars and maybe even the Texans, it's hard to really pinpoint who the really good teams are because as I said a couple of weeks ago, anyone is beatable by just about anybody at this point. And it's pretty much, uh, you know, a guessing game at this point. Yeah. That, that middle pretty much goes from about three, uh, to about 27, uh, that, uh, I, I think any of them, you know, uh, over a two week stretch, we might all of a sudden think of a Super Bowl contender or might be thinking they're getting a top five pick in the NFL draft. Uh, so let's kick things off uh, with the aforementioned, uh, probably the poster boy for this Tampa Bay Bucks at the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, this number's really, really high, uh, 10 and a half. If you remember uh, the game Tampa Bay and Atlanta played, I, I think it was the second or third week in the season. I think we both had bets on Atlanta that week, uh, and it got to the special 25-25, and then I think your boy Matt Ryan decided uh, he wanted to end that game early and threw like two big sixes in the last four minutes of the game. Uh, but Tampa goes to Atlanta, 10.5, no Antonio Brown uh, again this week and probably for a little bit because he's still hurt and now he's uh, been suspended. But uh, Tampa Bay looked a little bit, I, I-, I thought, maybe a little bit more efficient in that second half of that game, the first half of their game last week. I, I didn't think they looked, you know, great again. Atlanta, uh, there's no telling what you're, you know, getting uh, week to week. But uh, what do you think of this 10.5-point spread at uh, the Falcons here? Far too wide. Uh, it makes me feel a little uncomfortable. And I understand that there's a big disparity between both these teams when it comes to record. But realistically, when it comes to performance, both teams have been up and down, especially uh, the the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, you probably would have thought I was going to say the Atlanta Falcons here, but the Atlanta Falcons have been a little more consistent with their bad play. Uh, even when they play good, you know they're going to turn it around at some point during the second half and play bad. And that's been the story of the Atlanta Falcons this season. But Tampa Bay, you know, there's a couple of games in that, in, in that schedule where you would assume they were going to win those games and they ended up taking L's on those. Now, that's not going to sway me from thinking that this team's a lot better than Atlanta because they are, and they're probably going to get the win. But at a ten and a half point spread, um, a little too a little too wide for me uh, to feel comfortable taking. Yeah, it, it's just a little bit too big, uh, you know, for me. Ten and a half, especially we talked about that game earlier this season where it was twenty five twenty five. I, I think you saw last week once again, you know. Tampa Bay just was letting Carson Wentz pass all over him. And, you know, basically until Wentz decided to sort of do Wentzy things and fumble and throw a pick. And, uh, of course, the Colts uh, mupped a punt. Uh, we'll probably get in overall to the Colts and their ability to sort of find ways to lose these games that they dominate. Uh, but, you know, they were still getting passed on really well. I think 
theoretically Atlanta could still pass, but, uh, you know, that's always, you know, part of the course. We say that, and then they'll throw for 120 yards. I think you found that out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but I, I just think 10 and a half is too much. These division games, you know, you saw it a couple of weeks ago uh, when the Saints uh, beat the Bucks, and I don't think the Saints have won a game since, uh, and I, I don't think they've scored over 10 points uh, <laughs> basically uh, since then. So I'm sort of a no-go on this game. Uh, the 50 and a half, uh, I'd lean a little bit to the over, but it's probably spiked a little bit too much for me in the uh, first half at six and 25 and a half. I just automatically cross that off. So uh, I'm curious, anything on this that you like at all? Listen, if I had any confidence in Atlanta's offensive ability, because they've been, like I said, on and off pretty much all season long on offense. If I had any confidence in that offense, then I'd probably, you know, swing a little more towards that, taking that, you know, over on, um, but as it sits right now with the way they've been playing, uh, in Tampa Bay seems like they're getting ready to kind of go on a good stretch here. I, I'm not jumping on any of these. I'm just going to sit back and let, let the cards fall as they may. Uh, but for what it's worth, you know, Tom Brady versus Atlanta's nine and zero, uh, including the playoffs over the last three Tampa Bay is two and one where Atlanta is one and two, um, Obviously, the the opponents they've each face is quite different, but both teams have have basically had different personalities at one point so far this season. Um, I do predict that Tampa Bay is going to win. I'm just not confident enough to take that ten and a half point spread. Yeah, I, I'm not confident enough to take Atlanta. They they were trying very hard to uh, lose that Jacksonville game, and Jacksonville was uh, trying very hard to be like, no, uh, we don't want this uh, game. We'd like to continue our dreadful play and uh, not uh, trying to get their quarterback better. And and you mentioned Tampa probably about to go on a run here. Uh, to close out the season, uh, this schedule goes Falcons. Uh, they got a tough one versus the Bills, but then it closes Saints, Panthers, Jets, Panthers. So, uh, um uh, judging, I don't know who's playing quarterback for the Panthers. We'll get into uh, that disgraceful uh, game uh, last week that uh, I, I think might have broken your NFL soul. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Bucks uh, getting that big Colts win. They're probably about to go on a run here. We'll see how they play versus Buffalo. Uh, that's going to be interesting for Buffalo, especially coming off you know this week's New England game. But uh, yeah pretty easy slate to close out the season for Tampa Bay. So they probably go in the playoffs uh, a little bit like they did last year on a pretty good winning streak, but uh, 10 and a half too much for me on both sides of it. Uh, if I had any faith in Atlanta, I I'd lean a little bit more towards Atlanta. All right, let's go on to the next game. This one's an interesting one. Uh, Arizona seven and a half. Once again, this is really, really uh, big spread. Uh, Kyler's probably going to play. Hopkins is back. Pretty much everybody is back uh, for Arizona. Uh, Chicago, uh, it's just uh, bad, uh, bad, uh, you know, matchup here. I, I think they'll get beat, you know, deep pretty good. But seven and a half on the road with the way the underdogs are covered. It, it scares me a little bit, but I'd be more willing to grab that. I, I don't want anything to do with the Bears. Uh, they were pretty much uh, bad Dan Campbell coaching away uh, from losing uh, that Lions game. Uh, way to call two timeouts in a row, by the way. Uh, dynamite move. Uh, didn't know that one was in the rule book. 
Uh, but uh, Arizona seven and a half at the Bears, forty three and a half over under four for the first half, twenty two and a half. What's your feel on this game? You know, I'm a little concerned. I know that a lot of people are probably going to jump in on Arizona, especially as you mentioned with Kyler Murray coming back and you know uh, Hopkins and basically the whole slate of guys coming back. And I feel like people might start to jump on it, you know, seeing as how well they've been playing, even in the absence of their star players. But it gives me a little pause because I've seen several different instances where uh, after a few weeks off, you know, by a superstar player, as soon as they make a comeback, they come back uh, first game back there. There's a little bit of a setback and that's a lot, usually due to the fact that they haven't been playing, they haven't been practicing and it doesn't matter how much you practice. You can never really, you know, uh, simulate what an actual game is going to go now granted these guys are all professionals and they've been in several you know actual games um so you can take that as you may but i feel like with this first week back i'm probably going to be a little cautious and and probably wait a little bit although i do like arizona in this one i believe so far this season on the road arizona is six and oh they're undefeated um which speaks very highly to the coaching staff and the game uh, plan that they put together, you know, even with their guys being out, as we've stated before, we were probably uh, some of the most critical people that I've heard when it came to Arizona. Um, and they've, they've actually surprised me. They, they played really, really well, even with all the setbacks that they've had uh, they've done a really good job. So, you know, kudos to them. Uh, I take my hat off to Kingsbury and, uh, and the coaching staff there. They've done a really good job. But at seven and a half with that little hook there, I'm probably going to wait one more week, make sure that Colin Murray is ready to go and, and he looks 100% before I can jump on any Cardinal bets. Yeah, I, I would be a no-go on the Cardinals. Um, I, I just can't take the Bears because, you know, uh, speaking of coaching royalty, <laughs> being cagey with who he's going to start at quarterback, uh, Fields uh, was back at practice on Wednesday, but... He says he's the number one quarterback, but he doesn't know if he'll start. So I, I don't know what the He said the same thing. He said the same thing about Dalton, remember? Yes, you I, know, I don't quite when know what When everyone was clamoring, <laughs> everyone was basically clamoring for a field to come in, and he was like, no, uh, Dalton's our starter. He's the number one guy. And within a week, he was replaced. And listen, just watching the Bear games that I've seen this season – in my opinion, Andy Dalton is the best option for them to win games if that's what they're really after. Um, if they're after, you know, trying to get a high draft pick, which is more than likely the case, then I think you put Fields in there and try to hope that he develops a little bit more in the process of losing games. But if you want to win, I think you got to go with Andy Dalton. Yeah, I, I think that's if you told me that Dalton was going to be the starter and play all four quarters and not be yo-yoed, which is what I have a feeling is going to go on here, uh, which would drive me virtually insane if I took the Bears. But if you told me Dalton was going to play all four quarters and just be the starter and they were going to hold fields out, I'd probably push a little bit harder on taking the Bears in the seven and a half. They've been much better at home. Uh, you have a West team coming, you know, uh, across the uh, halfway across the country into Chicago, but it's a pretty big trip. It's going to be, you know, 37 degrees with precipitation there. Uh, I'm not sure the uh, boys from Phoenix are going to love that too much. But with the looming that Justin Fields might get plays, I, I just 
I can't take the Bears uh, if I think Fields is going to be in there. If I think Dalton's going to be in there, uh, I think the play would be the Bears. But uh, because, you know, the coaching genius wants to play funny games with who's going to be the starter, like Arizona cares who's going to be behind center. Uh, but uh, I, I just probably have to be a total pass on this one as well. All right, uh, let's go on to the next one. Uh, speaking of the three games I took, this was one of the three, uh, and it was my loss. Uh, I, I stupidly uh, delved into the world of the uh, Chargers madness and uh, somehow lost a game where uh, they didn't even get beat down all that badly on defense, but uh, offensively, once again, they were a no-show pretty much. Uh, you know, I... I I just can't explain that team. I can't really explain the Broncos either. One week their defense is, uh, you know, the 86 Bears, and then the next week it, <laughs> it's Swiss cheese and getting lit up. So uh, uh, I, Chargers getting three versus the Bengals. Uh, Bengals look to get a little bit back on track, uh, you know, with that win two weeks ago versus Vegas, and then really a beat down of Pittsburgh. Uh, three for the Bengals here, 50 and a half, one and a half here. Uh, what's your feel on this one? Love on the Bengals, uh, love on the Chargers here. This one has me torn. I, I really like the way that the Chargers started the season off. Um, you know, defensively, not my favorite unit. Um, flip it over to Cincinnati here and, and a really young team with a lot of potential. Seems like the sky's the limit for this team. Uh, defensively, they can show up on any given week and play really good football. And offensively, we know what they're capable of with the young quarterback and the young wide receiver. Uh, and even Mixon has been, you know, he's been really good this season. Um, with all that being said, you know, these, these two teams that have faced off several times in the past and, you know, over the last five meetings, uh, the score has been decided by one possession. So um, I think that's the Chargers that's, motto. <laughs> yeah, if it's not, and if they're dominating, they're going to find a way to make it close. So, um yeah, that scares me. That's another thing that scares me is the fact that we've seen a couple of games this season where the Chargers look like they were going to dominate the game, and somehow they ended up just, you know, giving in. It's because they have no defense, and they can't stop anybody. Um, last week, they looked a little better defensively, but offensively, they couldn't get things going. So there's just too many questions, question marks with the Chargers. Um, if I had to take anything here, I'd probably lean more uh, towards Cincinnati, who probably has a lot of momentum going on right now with uh, two wins under, the, under their belt after uh, all the media attention kind of slowed down a little bit. Yeah, uh, I, I think you summed it up. We're on the same page here. I, I think if we were going to take something, it, it would have to be the Bengals. I, I just don't think you can confidently bet on the Chargers because – the offense has been one week it's 600 yards, the next week it's 300 yards, and the defense has been pretty much porous throughout. Uh, granted, they were a little bit better last week versus Denver, but, you know, let's, you know, check things down. Uh, Cincinnati poses a, a much more uh, greater risk uh, on the offensive side than Denver. So I, I think the lean would be Cincinnati. It's just, you know... I think we're both wounded uh, from them losing to the Jets, and it's something we can't uh, sort of uh, grapple with in our head. Uh, but basically, Cincinnati started out the season well, had that little blip for two games. Granted, it was 
uh, versus two awful teams, and I think that just gets in your head. And then the last two weeks, they've looked more like the team uh, the first couple weeks. Maybe they can roll that into some, but, you know, like we've talked about this NFL season, you start to like the Bengals, and then all of a sudden we're getting 600 yards from the Chargers, and the Bengals start to, you know, play badly again. So I would lean Bengals three here, but it would not be at the top of my list in my mutuals. Yeah, I'm probably just going to go ahead and mark the Bengals as a maybe, um, just because as I'm looking at the slate of games, it looks like we're going to be, we're going to be uh, reaching for straws here. So I'm going to put the Bengals as a maybe here. Well, I, I'm going to start, uh, if we get lower and lower, I, I'm going to start clicking a player touchdown props, and those are going to have to work their way into our mutuals. <laughs> All right. That's uh, what it's come to. Let's go into this uh, next game here. Uh, I, I, I talked myself out of the Vikings last week. I, I just couldn't do it, uh, luckily. Uh, so, because we got, uh, well, just bad Vikings. Uh, well, it wasn't really bad Vikings. It was just the uh, NFC version of the uh, pretty much Chargers. Uh, they go to Detroit. The line is seven once again. Big, big line for a team I just can't trust. You can't trust this Vikings team. And Lord knows what you're getting from the Detroit Lions. I mean, I, I think they could have a third grader who is, you know, on all Madden level, who could come in and game plan a coaching thing better than what the Detroit Lions have last. Uh, uh, you know, that Thursday game was just uh, dreadful and uh, possibly the worst Thanksgiving Day slate I, I probably ever visualized my eyes to. But, uh, you know, pretty much summed up with the two back-to-back timeouts. Uh Viking seven, can you make yourself go there, or is that just uh, a, a wounded? You're watching it as Jared Goff is driving down, throwing to I don't even know who. There's going to be no DeAndre Swift. I, it, it's just, can you stomach taking the Vikings on a seven on the road? I, I think would be the you play know, here. Now, normally, I, I would say no, and hear me out here, okay? So. I feel like the best weapon for the Lions on offense has been Swift pretty much so far this season. You know, you have a few instances where, you know, he hits a tight end here and there. Uh, It's probably the second best weapon they have on the team. But with their best offensive weapon out for this game, how are they going to muster up points? And when I look at the potential uh, offense explosion for the Minnesota Vikings, and and they, they have a lot of potential on offense. I feel like this could be a blowout. You know, this could be one of those games where we look at the spread and we're like, it's it's a little too high for my comfort. But at the end of the game, when we're looking at the final score, we're like, you know, it, it was, it was obvious. It was an obvious pick. So uh, I'm kind of leaning more towards my gut with this one here. Um, I, I like the Vikings to win this game. They actually uh, have won their last eight meetings versus the Lions. So uh, if that means anything to you, awesome. If it doesn't, uh, you know, no big deal. But uh, Minnesota is a, is a much better team. Um, Coaching-wise, obviously, it leaps and bounds better. Uh, I, I think that the coaching decisions last week for the Lions really brought to light um, what some of the biggest issues for this team are. And I think they started at the top with the coaching staff. Um, yes, they don't have a lot of talent on, on both offense and defense, but, you know, even teams with very little talent can make things work. Uh, and 
really depends a lot on the coaching ability of the coaching staff. And that's probably one of the spots where they're lacking a lot here in, in Detroit. So um, I, I like the Vikings here to cover. I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win big. Um, and I don't feel comfortable saying it because for me to say, oh, I think they're going to win big when it's a seven point spread. It definitely makes me a little a little weary, but uh, I do like the Vikings here, even at that high spread. Yeah, I think that should probably just go in your Jared uh, or uh, your Matthew Stafford category that the uh, Vikings have beat him eight straight times. Uh, you know, the savior for the Rams has not been able to beat the most inconsistent team in football the last uh, four years. Uh, yeah, I, I think you have to lean Vikings now. You know, Cook's out, but, uh, you know, we touched on it a little bit with the Cowboys. Alexander Madison, while he's not Delvin Cook, is, you know, uh, more than a, a good enough running back, you know, to sort of hold the fort here. There's not, you know, a huge leap and bound drop-off between Cook and Madison. Uh, so, you know, it's a thin slate. Uh, I think maybe uh, last week might have, have really broken the Lions, and I, I think they're going to... I don't know what you call a oh sixteen and one season, but uh, it's definitely uh, a success. Not that good. So I, I think uh, <laughs> we probably got to put the Vikings down uh, four seven here, and then uh, be disappointed when the uh, Lions, you know, score win 14. their first game of the season. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Uh, so, that's, that's, that's how it might go down watch all right so vikings minus seven is our first mutual of the uh week uh you know last week we had a bunch of ones this week's we got a bunch of sevens and uh i i just this one's going to be tough for me to take even though i i think the dolphins are going to go on a roll here the giants go to miami uh Probably the team playing the best out of, uh, you know, anybody other than maybe the Packers has been the Dolphins the last couple weeks. So the Dolphins sit at minus six. Uh, that jumped quickly. Uh, they were getting twos and threes, and now all of a sudden they're a six. Uh, 40 is the over, under three is the first half. Uh, 20 and a half is the uh, uh, first half over, under. Uh, any uh, particular feel one way or another on the New York Giants, Miami Dolphins? You know, I'm kind of on the same boat as you. Miami's actually been really hot over the last few weeks. Um, you know, just looking at their last three games, you're talking about a win versus Carolina. Granted, I know they're dealing with the quarterback situation, but that defense for Carolina can be really good at times. Uh, a win versus New York Jets. Again, another team with struggling uh, quarterback situation, but can defensively play pretty well at times also. Um, and a win versus Baltimore, which I think is probably the most impressive out of the bunch there. Um you know, listen, Tua's been kind of picking things up a little bit. They've kind of been getting hot. If you're going to get hot, this is definitely the right moment to get hot. Um, defensively, they've been getting better, it seems, week to week. A lot of that has to do with who they've been playing. But, you know, we've also seen these same teams that that have no offense beat some elite teams. You know, I look back at that Jacksonville-Buffalo game. Um, I don't think anybody gave Jacksonville a shot other than Jacksonville fans, and they ended up winning that game. Um, so, I think the Dolphins can can pull this one off. Um, I am a little concerned. The Giants seem to be one of those teams that um, are kind of like a, a dark horse. They'll beat you when you're not expecting them to beat you, like last week versus Philadelphia, when I'm sure 95% of the country probably thought uh, the Eagles well, were going to run away with that one. They scored an offensive touchdown in that game and somehow <laughs> managed to win. And they still won the game. I mean, that's the part that's scary, is that a team that can win a game 
without even scoring points. Well, we'll get to uh, the, it, the Eagles next. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, four and a half. I don't think it's too bad. I think that, uh, especially with the slate of games that we have this week, they should at least go into the maybe column. Um, I'm a little weary about taking a home team. It sounds very weird to say, but as you mentioned several times throughout the season, home teams not necessarily an advantage. So, um, I'd like the Dolphins to win this game. I, I just I don't know how confident I feel in that four and a half, uh, but I feel like at least we have to put in our maybe column. Yeah, I, I'm looking at the rest of the slate. I I don't know what we could grab that we would be confident in, uh, especially with you know a handful of these teams and what we've seen. I, I think you just got to ride the Dolphins that they're playing better. Uh, you know, two is starting to look more and more like an NFL-level quarterback. Uh, Waddle has been really, really good for them. And then the defense, uh, you know, overall has really started to play well and put pressure on teams. Uh, You know, you talked about it. You know, the Giants got a win last week, but it it wasn't uh, exactly like they started breaking offensive records all of a sudden. You know, Jalen Hurts threw four picks. Uh, They found, you know, one play in there amongst a lot of non-plays. And... If Jalen Rieger, uh, who's a paid wide receiver, to, could catch the ball, uh, the Giants would have ended up losing that game, even though the Eagles turned the ball over four times. So uh, I, I think, once again, I don't love it, but we're probably better off just taking teams that are at least hot here because uh, these next handful of games, uh, I think we're just going to struggle. Uh, to find one. So uh, Dolphins it is as our number two uh, mutual of the week. Uh, they've been good for us uh, the last uh, couple weeks as well. I think we've ridden them uh, pretty hard uh, here the last couple weeks. So we'll see if they continue to pay out. Uh, the aforementioned... Now, Phil- oh, go ahead. Sorry, just not to cut you off, but just, you know, if you needed a little more confidence uh, in making a pick like that, you know, it's good to know that the Dolphins defense has given up 17 points or few over the last four uh you know, uh, opponents. So at least defensively, you know that they're keeping their opponents at bay and not giving up a lot of points, which bodes well for uh, them covering that spread a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. So, all right. Uh, next up, we all fell in love with them. Uh, I think Philly fans thought they were about to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, turns out they are not about to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, they probably aren't going to make the playoffs now, though. I, I shouldn't make those sort of statements because at this point, I I, I think uh, you know a six and eleven team might <laughs> work their way into the playoffs. So uh, it's possible. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles go to the New York Jets. Uh, I, I think we were dubious of the Eagles line being so big versus the uh, Giants, and once again, it's another big line. I, I get it. You know the Jets are. Not good, uh, but uh, six and a half for this Eagles team. Do they find their mojo again, or are, are we just like, hey, I don't want this at six and a half. I, I like the Eagles better when they're getting plus or very, very low. 45 over under, three and a half for the first half, 22 and a half for the over under first half. Where are we sitting with the Philadelphia Eagles here? You know, I, I, I don't like much in this game, okay? I, I do think that... Philadelphia is a better team. Uh, the question is, do they get back on track after last week? It seemed like last week uh, the Giants really figured out the type of offense that they were going to run, and they really stifled the quarterback and really messed him up, caused a lot of mistakes from him. As you mentioned earlier, four interceptions, um, not not good. 
but this is a Jets team that has been struggling at times. They have played really good defense, but it, it's been, you know, kind of in between few, too few in between to really consider them to be at least a good defense. Um, with all that being said, Philadelphia is 11 and 0 all time versus the Jets. Um, I think Philly wins in this one, but I think the smarter play in this one is probably taking that under um, simply because we have a lot of issues on offense for the Jets. We don't know exactly who they're going to decide to put in that quarterback. They keep naming who their starter is and um, halfway through the game, guys are getting hurt and you see a different quarterback. So we don't know what the situation is there. Um, that Philadelphia defense, although not great, has been getting a little bit better. They can get after the quarterback. And uh, I believe they have a uh, guy in their secondary. I can't remember who it was. Uh, I was watching um, sports media and he's actually the highest graded uh uh, defensive back in the league. I can't, can't put my, I can't remember who, what his name is, but um, what I'm saying is it bodes well that they're starting to pick a play on the, in that secondary, which is probably their weakest point when we were coming into the season. Um, and if the office can get back to the way they played last week, I think they can win this game, but will they cover? I don't know. Uh, I think the safer play here is to probably take the under uh, in, in, that game what was it 43 and a half you said uh the over under in this game is uh 45 is the number oh even better uh, i like that i like the under even better yeah i i look at this game to play out a, a lot like uh you know last week's uh, game between the jets and texans yeah philly's probably a little bit better than the texans though I, I think both teams run you know similar uh sort of offenses so uh you know i Go ahead. I, I feel like this game. Sorry, I mean, keep cutting you off today. Um, I feel like you know, even even if we do get an explosive uh, offensive performance from Philadelphia, um, their attack has basically it's been based around the run. Even when the quarterback is doing it, it's it's all about the run. Um, you're talking about a team that's basically heavy, heavy very heavily uh, run oriented, so that drains the clock. Uh, which bodes even better for uh, that under uh, to hit. It's just, you know, the last time you have to score points, uh, the lower the score is going to be. That's just at least the logic that I'm using for this game. Yeah. Uh, you're probably talking about Darius Slay at, at corner for the Philadelphia Eagles that uh, you wanted to know. I know you'd know. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I, I could see the under, and I, I think that would be a good play. I, I mentioned that. You know, Jets-Texans game 21-14. You know you aren't going to get a lot of points from the Jets, uh, you know, no matter what. And really, if you watched Philly, I, I don't think you're getting a lot of offense uh, back from them as well. Uh, so I think your call on that game is, uh, you know, just spot on. I, I think, you know, we got a little bit burned in that uh, New England Patriots game, Tennessee Titans last week last on the play. under uh but we were doing just fine and uh till your boys uh started deciding to turn the ball over the last uh six minutes of the game and that game went from uh uh you know 20 uh 14 to about uh 42 17 in uh, you know no time at all so yeah I, yeah I the, wife, the wife was super excited she was sitting there screaming and i'm like why are you celebrating i'm losing money like no this is not a good thing well, she probably put the mortgage on the Patriots, so you should be cheering along with her. I guess so. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll go uh, for our number three, uh, the under in the uh, 
Eagles and Jets game. Uh, so we got three on the board. Uh, that should probably tell you that the uh, next handful coming up, uh, I want nothing to do with, uh, starting with the Indianapolis Colts at the Houston Texans. Uh, yeah, the Texans are uh, brutal. Uh, you know, their offense has been sort of poor, uh, despite being fun to watch. And this Colts team, um, they uh, live in the world of the uh, Vikings and the uh, Chargers and can't just blow people out. They have to sort of uh, play things close and do things that sort of uh, hurt themselves. So a 10-point spread on the road in a division game, uh, I want no part of. Maybe you have a, a feel here. I, I don't want the Texans because I, I think they're really going to go into you know ultra tank mode uh, here, especially after losing that game to the Jets. That puts them at the bottom. That starts to climb them up uh, for that number one pick. So uh, Colts minus 10, 45 and a half for the uh, game, uh, four and a half for the first half, 22 and a half uh, on the uh, first half over under. Uh, a feel on this game or is this just a pretty much auto cross off with a line this big uh, unless you have maybe have a lean towards the Texans. Well, I'll tell you this. Okay. I, I'm not taking the Texans. Okay. And I'm not taking any action on this game, but for those that actually are looking to take some action in this game, uh, Jonathan say you're Taylor Colts touchdown. Fan, for example, are we delving into that yet? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't can't tell you off the top of my head what that payout is, but I'm assuming it's probably at, um, like plus 150 for, for him to score at any time in the game. Uh, probably about, what, plus 350 for him to score the first touchdown of the game? Uh, uh, just off the top of my head. Um, but <clears throat> I will say this. If you're looking for a play here, uh, the play would probably be to take some sort of prop bet regarding the uh, running attack for the Colts. Uh, you're talking about the 31st-ranked rush defense here with the Texans uh, going up against – probably one of the hottest running attacks in football right now with, uh, with Tom, he's been, he's been outstanding. I mean, I know that, you know, people are giving him a lot of credit. He's getting a lot of praise because he's leading the league in rushing. Um, he's been really, really good. I, I will say that. I don't think he's been the best running back so far this year, although the numbers would probably slap me in the face and tell me differently, but you know, he's been really good and going up against a really bad run defense. Um, Definitely something that you could probably look into. The the spread, I do think the Colts are going to win this game, and, I, and it wouldn't shock me for them to cover this spread. But them being divisional opponents gives me a little bit of pause. You look back at that Houston Texans and Titans game, you know, a lot of people probably thought it was going to be an easy win for the Titans, even with all the injuries they were dealing with, and we saw that turned out for them. So um, take that as you will. I mean, it's something to look into if you really need to make a bet in this game. But other than that, I'd probably stay away from a 10-point spread. Yeah, uh, I, I pulled up the thing. Uh, Jonathan Taylor minus three eighty anytime touchdown scorer. Uh, so you're gonna, you're gonna be taxed pretty heavy. I, I will say, uh, first touchdown scorer, you did pretty well there at uh, plus two ninety. Uh, so okay, I was close. So I, I think that's a pretty solid one, especially uh, judging by what the Colts did. Uh, you know, I, I'm a no go in this game, but uh, you know, we didn't have our show to you know recap this week. Uh, I wanted to talk about that Colts game a little bit with you. You know, th this same thing came up in the Tennessee game. Colts get out in front, and, and then they seem to go away from Jonathan Taylor. Then, you know, Tampa Bay catches up, and then all of a sudden they start handing him the ball, and he's running. I, I don't understand. I, I get it. You know, the Colts have always been sort of a team that game plans uh, 
for the opponent. Uh, but once Devin White left that Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, I don't understand why you didn't just hammer Jonathan Taylor over and over and over. You know, I, I think about what that te- same team in your division would do, the Titans. You know, maybe Derrick Henry doesn't have a good first half, doesn't have a good first quarter, but they don't go away from that. They keep hammering and hammering. And I just didn't understand the Colts' strategy of just going all pass, all cards and wins. You know something bad's going to happen. Two turnovers happened. I get you can't, you know, judge the muff putt, but I, I was curious what your thoughts on that Indianapolis-Tampa Bay game was because they had a real chance to sort of put a lot of pressure on the Titans, and they just sort of done what they've done all year long, sort of dominate the game but lose the game. Yeah, that was definitely a tell of two halves. Uh, as I was watching the first half of that game, I was like, this is going to be an easy blowout. Like, I think if I'm a Titans fan, I'm starting to get a little concerned because you're talking about Tennessee losing their the previous matchup and then the Colts coming out and beating Tampa Bay. Uh, and it looked like they were going to win that game. So I kind of, you know, tuned out a little bit and was watching other games. And when I went back to it, I looked and it was a completely different matchup. It was a completely different team, as you mentioned. Most teams in the NFL, when they get out big and they've got, you know, a team against the wall, they start rushing the ball. That's that's how you close a team out. And for some weird reason, they decided to go against it. We've said it several times throughout, you know, this season and even before that when he was with Philadelphia, Carson Wentz is not the guy who's going to lead you to victory. He's going to be the guy who can manage your team into a victory. Um, and your team is going to have best success possibility when – He's managing the game, not when you're putting the pressure on his shoulders. Uh, And that's kind of what happened this time around. They came back to bite him in the behind. Uh, But I I didn't understand the game plan. Uh, I I still don't understand it. But, you know, they took the L and now they're going to have to deal with the consequences. Yeah, uh, it puts them in, you know, uh, playoff jeopardy as well. Because, you know, uh, you're just in the mix. We've already talked about it with, you know, in other teams uh you know that seems like a, a overextension but it is like 10 teams if you look at the list basically hey, how, everybody is how crazy is it pot. <laughs> how, how crazy is it I, I mean we're talking about week 13 and we don't have anybody that's basically on the verge of clinching yeah i, I mean it seems a little wild i think that at this point last season we had at least one or two oh, yeah. teams that uh, were basically clinched. Well, at this point, uh, everybody thought the Steelers were going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> that's, true. <laughs> that's true. I don't think that's exactly true, but they were sitting at like 13-0. and 0. Uh, But I, I think yeah. we all saw the cracks uh, there. But anyway, uh, you know, there was 13-0. and 0. I, I think Green Bay was, you know, 12-1, and 1, you know, uh, maybe 11-2. and 2. Uh, Tampa hadn't quite found their groove yet, but the Saints were dominating. Uh, your Rams uh, had a good record at that point. Them and Seattle were like head, yeah. head like uh, neck and shoulders. Yeah, I, I mean there were just teams that you knew. Buffalo was uh, really, really good. Also, the Chiefs. You sort of had that pot, and you just don't. And we'll bring in two teams uh, in this next game. Uh, it's it's. Nice, because in Vegas, this is basically a, a craps uh, role here. Uh, Washington football team at the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders are one-and-a-half point favorites, uh, 49-and-a-half, uh, one-and-a-half on the uh, 
uh, first half line, 24 and a half on the uh, over under here. Are, are you going to take the dice and make a roll here? Are you going to hit your sevens? <laughs> are you going to hit the snake eyes? Where are we going? Washington football team, uh, hot. They've won a handful of games in a row. Uh, Las Vegas, um, I guess, showed a little bit of pride on Turkey Day, beat up on the Cowboys. Uh, granted, uh, none of the uh, Cowboys starters were there, but uh, still, um, uh, I don't know. Do we trust this Vegas team? Do we trust this Washington team whose defense is like third uh, since um, the two best players on their defense have gone out? So uh, where are we sitting here in this game? You know, this is probably going to be one of those games where uh, I'll take a toy and I'll write, you know, uh, Washington on one and I'll write Las Vegas on the other. And I'll toss them and I'll let my dog basically figure out whichever one he brings back to me. That's probably the team that I'm going to go with uh, because it's basically a pick'em game. I think that both of these teams aren't, you know, really good teams. Yes, one of them's hot, one of them's not. Um, for the, you know, the Raiders, they've been dealing with a lot of drama on and off the field pretty much this whole season, uh, starting with the whole Gruden situation that happened. Then you had players, you know, getting into accidents and causing harm. And, and there's just so much going on there. Um, yes, the, that last win against Dallas was really important for them, but I don't think that that's fixed anything. I think that they are still going to deal with their issues. Um, obviously, it was a really, you know, good moment for them because they've been dealing with so much turmoil, but you know, you look at their last three games, they have that win versus Dallas, a loss versus Cincinnati, who was struggling prior to facing them, and a loss versus Kansas City, who was also struggling prior to facing them, uh, where you flip it over to Washington's side of the, of the ball, and you've got a win versus Seattle, who, you know, Seattle was coming out there trying to be hungry, Russell Wilson was back, uh, win versus Carolina, um, you know, the re-energized uh, Carolina offense with Cam Newton, which we'll get into in a little bit, I'm sure, Um and then, you know, a win versus Tampa Bay, which is actually probably the most impressive out of those three. But as you mentioned, Washington's been hot. Um, I guess if I had to, I'd probably lean more towards Washington getting one and a half points. I know it's not much, but you're at least getting a point and a half at that point. And listen, I tried to do little notes for each game. The only note I could come up with for the Washington Raider game is Derek Carr's averaging over 300 yards per game this season. Yeah. Uh, so that, that tells you all you need to know. You know, you mentioned it, uh, it. It's just the total contradictions. The Washington secondary was getting shredded and then, you know, sweat and uh, uh, Chase Young go out. And then the, all of a sudden the Washington secondary has been fixed. And, and you know, I, I want to take Washington here because I think their offenses look better, uh, especially since Antonio Gibson looks a little bit healthier the last couple weeks and they could sort of run and play action. So I think that offenses look better. It, it's just, can you keep buying that the defense is going to continue to play at this level? Uh, you know, Ron Rivera is one of those coaches that sort of grows into the season. He, he's better in the second half than he is the first half. But, you know, it, it's a little... You know, I look at it like an NBA thing when, like, your star goes down and you have a little three-game, you know, ride there where you can... Yeah, you can sort of compensate for the star going out. But then as you get, you know, later and later, I, I just can't think that without, you know, Chase Young, uh, I Sweat might be back this week, but I just can't think their defense is going to have gotten better uh, because those two are out. 
But I, I agree with you. I, I think the play would be Washington, but I'm not real bullish on it. Um, but I, I can't make myself take the Raiders uh, just based off last week's game with all the injuries that were involved in that uh you know, Dallas Cowboys game. So I'd be a no-go here. I might can talk myself into Washington uh, by Sunday, but uh, since it's Friday, I'm not quite ready to talk myself into that one. See, just because I know you, I know that by Sunday you'll say you've got Washington at plus one and a half. <laughs> yeah, I know. The text is coming to you, and then I can proceed to watch Heineke throw for 100 yards and uh, their defense get shredded <laughs> for 400 by car. And you're going to be like, wait, Derek Carr threw over 300 yards, and I'm going to say, remember I told you, he's averaging right. over 300 yards this season. <laughs> we'll pass on that one, and we'll go into – well, we're going to have Another to – pass touch on this one granted i i think they're okay this week you'll at least have a win on your docket uh jacksonville jaguars at the uh los angeles rams 13 is the spread uh i, I know jacksonville's really bad i i'm a little confused how a team on a three-game losing streak and is averaging two picks including a pick six for the last three weeks somehow has a two touchdown spread uh but over under sits at 48 and a half, seven first half, 23 and a half in this one. Um, I don't think there's a question on who's going to win this, but uh, I just can't touch the 13 and I'm try tired of taking Jacksonville and not getting my backdoor cover though. Every time it sets up for them to drive down the field and get a cheap touchdown at the end to get that backdoor cover. So I was just a, a cross off on this game until I see the Rams offense functional and defense, you know, we went over this. We go over it. It's not that they're playing bad. I just want it more explosive. It just seems sort of tame. And I want plays being made on that side of the ball, especially with the type of money that you're selling out for the defensive players. So I'm just a no-go on this. I'm curious on you. Yeah, I'm also a no-go. Now, I will say this. Since we didn't have a review show, I do have to at least get 30 seconds of uh, of venting here. Um, I will say, I, I mentioned the last week, I didn't care whether they won that game or lost the game versus Green Bay, but I wanted to see them play better. Uh, as you mentioned, the defense this season so far um, hasn't been bad. They're actually not, uh, they're in the top 10, top 15 in most categories. The issue is that you have a lot of big name players and they're not putting up the fancy stats, you know, the sacks and the picks and the turnovers, the fumbles forced. They're not causing those as much as they did the previous season when they were the number one ranked defense. So that's why it's, it's a, it's a good talking point if you're talking about that Rams defense, uh, but they're not playing bad. The offense is is basically what's been struggling as of late. Uh, they looked a little bit better versus green Bay. Uh, I, I think the downfall for that game was the coaching, the, the coaching and going for it, you know, in that first half, uh, on fourth down inside your own 30 uh, bonkers. I have no idea what McVay was thinking, um, especially when you look at the final outcome of that game. Um, it could have gone either way had the game been managed properly, but that's either here nor there. That was that game. Now we're looking at this game. Um, this is the only game this week that we have where both teams are coming in with at least a three game losing streak. Uh, both of these seem to have been playing pretty bad over the last few weeks. Obviously, the Rams are a lot better on paper, but at minus 13, I'm probably not going to touch it, uh, especially since the Rams have allowed at least 28 points uh, in three straight games. So um, something to be concerned about. 
but uh, the Rams are going to win this game. And I, I feel pretty confident saying that um, I'm just not taking that 13 point spread and I'm not going to pick my team because I need them to win this week. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll touch on a little bit this game, uh, the Rams just overall, cause we didn't have our review show. You, you mentioned it, that weird fourth down call, you know, I'm always, you know, more pro going for it on fourth down. You're you're a little bit less, not so much, but situational. Yeah, I, I'm a little less, but I'm situational. Even at then, I I don't even know what the first down gets you. So you get that first down. Yeah, and now it's first yeah. and ten on the thirty-two. It's yeah, not there, like there's you're no guarantee you're going to get anything. Yeah, it's not like you're going to automatically go down and score, and. That, that's what confused me. It, it's now first and 10 on the 32 with six minutes left in the first quarter. You know, even if it was like the fourth quarter and, and you want to keep the ball and try to run out the clock and the game, I, I could maybe talk myself into it. But the only thing that's going to do is get you a first down. You might go three and out on the next three possessions, then you're putting. So what do you gain by that other than handing Green Bay the ball? I mean, they got a little lucky because Green Bay didn't go down and score, but they gave them a free three points. And, you know, basically if they get a touchdown there, go down 14 nothing in Green Bay, that game's over. Uh, so I just didn't understand the risk-reward of that. And, you know, we don't need to go into, you know, Matthew Stafford and his struggles. It's – I don't even know if they're struggles. This is pretty much what Matthew Stafford has been his whole career. It's no, it, a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, a lot of – you know, turnovers. Not, not to be a Matthew Stafford defender here because, uh, you know, you know it. And, and I, I stated it on the show coming into the season. I wasn't completely sold on the idea of swapping golf for, for Stafford. Cause I didn't know the discrepancy between both of them was going to be that wide. Um, you know, if just on paper, just off, you know, listening to sports media, you would think Stafford's been playing really, really, really bad, especially over the last few weeks. Um, but I read some stats somewhere. I can't remember where I saw it, uh, but it said if if Matthew Stafford were to average one and a half interceptions per game for the rest of the season, he still wouldn't match last season's total by Jared Goff. So that may be a, a little bit of a silver lining there. Um, but, you know, one thing I did want to bring up really quick before we move on to the next game, um, I think one of the biggest issues for the Rams, and they have to figure this out probably due to the fact they don't have Cam Akers, it's that early on this season, they were wowing everybody because they were very explosive on offense. They were, they were the big play team. If you want to watch a big play, you want to watch the Rams and Cooper Cup and Stafford and, you know, Robert Woods. They were the big play team. And it's come back to bite them in the behind so the, over the last few weeks because when they can't get that big play, they go three and out. And when their defense has given up as many points as they've given up over the last three weeks, you're going to start to get behind and it's going to make you more desperate. And that's where you're going to start making more mistakes the way he's been making them. So, uh, you know, just uh, something I noticed as I was watching uh, some Ram film earlier this week. Yeah. Uh, they should probably get that clip of Odell Beckham. And uh, that that's probably sums up his whole career. Beats a corner on man-to-man, hits a big-time play, then comes up and grabs his back. Uh, I, I think that just pretty much sums up everything that is Odell Beckham. Uh, we'll move on to the next game. Uh, good luck uh, sorting this one out. The uh, Baltimore Ravens, um, who somehow win games, though I don't think they've played well uh, since about week, uh, 
I don't know, seven, uh, but yet don't really lose all that often. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers, who um, do still somehow have a winning record, but uh, wow, uh, they look awful. So uh, Baltimore going into Pittsburgh, four and a half point favorites, 44 is the total, three uh, first half, 21 and a half is the uh, first half total. Uh, any idea on this game? Uh, because I don't think I can touch Baltimore at four and a half uh, from what I've seen from them and Pittsburgh. Uh, yikes. Yeah, I mean, listen, I was kind of hoping that you were actually going to have a sell for me on this game because I'm, I'm confused as to what I could bet in this particular matchup. You mentioned that both of these teams have struggled at one point or another this season. I mean, the Ravens almost lost to the Lions. The Ravens almost lost to the Lions. That's tell every, tell you everything you need to know there. Uh, they've definitely been beatable this season, although defensively they've been pretty stout. Um, I believe this season so far they're average. They're giving up uh, about eighty four point two yards on the ground, which is one of the top uh, rush defenses in the league. So they can definitely stifle the run, but their issue has been putting up points as of late. Uh, and also stopping the uh, the deep the deep ball. They've had issues with it over the last few weeks, and I don't know if it's going to rear itself this week against a divisional rival. Uh, but you know, this is always a fun matchup to watch. It's always been one of my favorite matchups, um, going back even a few years when it's super low scoring affair. But you know, you knew you were going to get a very physical defensive game. Um, and that's kind of what I'm hoping will happen in this one because I'm not sure to watch this game, but. I don't know which way I'm leaning, and I was kind of hoping you'd be able to sell me on this. Oh, I, I, I just, I'd have <laughs> to sell you on the Baltimore side of things because I don't know. I just, I think Pittsburgh's done now. You know, every time I say that, Mike Timlin, you know, stirs up some sort of magic potion, gets a punt block, and ends up winning the game. Uh, the only thing I could tell you is maybe. Baltimore's offense looks better. Uh, you know, uh, Lamar didn't play the week before in Chicago, came back, looked really, really bad in the Cleveland game. I, I say that, and they won 16-10. So technically, uh, they would have covered that four and a half. Uh, though, you know, uh, they turned the ball over four times, and, you know, thank goodness Cleveland has a bye this week, or I think we'd both uh, be hammering uh, that disgrace of a franchise. But, the only thing I can tell you is Pittsburgh's defense, you know, just has too many injuries. The offense can't do anything. So I'd say the probability would be a Baltimore route. Uh, but I, I think what we've seen from Baltimore, you can't ever tell me Baltimore is going to route somebody this year. Yeah, and that's my biggest concern is offensively, they just haven't really put much on tape to make me feel confident that they can do to Pittsburgh's defense what was just done to them this last week. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously if I had to pick between Cincinnati and Baltimore, I'd probably lean a little bit more towards Baltimore, but you saw what Cincinnati did to Pittsburgh last week. This is also a divisional opponent. Um, can, you know, Baltimore put up the same type of, of offense? I don't think they can. It's, it's a whole different, uh, it's, it's a completely different offensive scheme uh, between Baltimore and Cincinnati. But as you mentioned, a lot of injuries on defense for Pittsburgh. I, I don't know. I don't know which way I'm leaning to be completely honest with you. This is probably a no-go for me uh, personally just because I don't know which way to lean. 
Yeah, I, I think this should sum up the NFL this season. Baltimore. Uh, right now, the number one seed in the AFC would have home field advantage in a bye. And uh, we are scared to take them at minus four and a half versus a team <laughs> that lost 43 to, to the Bengals last week. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that sums up the current state of the NFL in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, maybe we put Baltimore in our back pocket because we only got a couple games left. Uh and uh, they aren't much better. I- I'm going to see if you can talk me into this one. Uh, fresh off uh, passing Ray Rhodes on the uh, win percentage in coaching the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, come off a nice home win versus the Vikings. Uh, they go to the Seattle Seahawks. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, that hook is uh, eating me up inside, which is what's making me not want to take San Francisco here. Uh, Seattle. Uh, once again, uh, that offense did not look good. Uh, I, I don't even know if DK Metcalf is still playing receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, he what do you have, one catch last week? Hey, one catch for 13 yards. Uh, so um, three and a half for the Niners, 45 and a half over under. Two and a half on the first half, 23 and a half uh, total for the uh, first half. Do we dare take the Niners minus three and a half on the road versus Seattle here? Or is just... I'll tell you what. uh, I can't do that on that hook. If it was two and a half, I'd feel a little more comfortable taking San Francisco because I feel like if it came down to it, they could win by a field goal. The issue is it's a three and a half. I I don't like that spread. Uh, Even for Seattle, they haven't shown much, but... This is the type of game that Seattle will step up for, you know, a divisional opponent, a, a team that they basically faced off with, uh, you know, over the last few years since Russell Wilson's been there. It was either the 49ers or the or the Seahawks that were basically vying for the top spot in the NFC West. Uh, so I could totally see Seattle really stepping up for this game. Uh, the issue is that San Francisco has been playing pretty well, actually. And, um, you know, even last week versus Minnesota, a game that I thought they would lose, Uh, They surprised me and they came out and they won. They were able to slow down the Vikings enough um, to pull off the win. But even then, that's not saying much because they needed a lot of big plays late in that game uh, in order to pull off the win. uh, And they barely made it happen. So I'm not very confident either way, to be completely honest with you. I don't think I could sell you on either one of these teams. It's crazy to say, but an NFC West matchup, three and a half point spread, you know, Seattle at home, uh, 12th man and I can't get you I can't even give you Seattle it's, it's wild to me yeah uh, I, I for what it's worth I, I can't for what it's worth Seattle so, Seattle has won 13 of the last 15 versus San Francisco yeah I, I think I can't talk myself in Seattle because you know I'd hop all over this plus three and a half at home uh, but they have just looked uh, so uh, inept on offense and the defense has looked better, but I wouldn't call it anything that's memorable. Uh, you know, and that being said, Seattle's probably out of the playoff mix, but you look at the standings, uh, they're basically two games out. Uh, San Francisco being one of the teams that has one of those last playoff spots, Seattle wins this one, that gains a gain on them. Now, they have a lot more teams to jump, uh, but... You know, they are a winning streak away. I don't, I can't tell if Russell's just bad right now or he's hurt. 
but that offense isn't what it was, you know, the first couple weeks of the season. But I, I they seem to own San Francisco, and I can't make myself take that three-and-a-half hook on San Francisco, even though theoretically San Francisco has been playing pretty well here. Yeah. I mean, listen, maybe I can sell you uh, once I give you this little bit of information. Um, I'm sure you're aware, but Seattle did sign Dynamite David's favorite running back, um, future Hall of Famer, uh, the guy who was going to go down in history books for bringing the Titans back to glory. Uh, Adrian Peterson, the whole day Peterson is has signed with the Seahawks. Yeah, I, I saw that. I wondered if uh, with Alex Collins and uh, Adrian Peterson, they were going to have the slowest running back tandem uh, in NFL <laughs> history. <laughs> Listen, if they need another one, we can throw Sony Michelle in there. Yeah, we'll send well, him over there. Well, we they need someone to be able to not catch passes out of the backfield. So Okay, that so that doesn't help. Uh we'll put I we'll have to come back. We need two more games. There are two left. Uh I, I'm not sure either of these are takeable. Uh one of them might be, but uh I don't think this next one is. Denver Broncos, Kansas City Chiefs, nine and a half for the Chiefs here. Um, if you could tell me which Denver's showing up, the uh, 86 Bears defense or the, uh, you know, one that uh, gets shredded uh, defense, uh, I lean a little more Chiefs. You know, you have everybody going with the uh, end read off a of bye, uh, but nine and a half uh, for this Chiefs team. I'm not bullish on grabbing that, even though I, I think they'll win this one pretty easy with the Broncos going to Kansas City. Uh, can you stomach the nine and a half? Would you want I to can't. take the points here? No. Uh, even with you know the little tidbit uh, that Kansas City has won eleven straight uh, versus Denver, even with that little bit of information, can't do it. And as you mentioned, I don't know which Denver team showing up, and, and just a smudge. I don't know which Kansas City team is showing up. Is it the team that we've seen over the last couple of weeks that has played well enough to get a couple of wins? Because they still haven't been playing stellar. Uh, they have looked a little bit better defensively. Um, they've stepped their game up a lot compared to the way they started off this season. Uh, so it's helped them get a couple of wins. But offensively, they're still not the Chiefs. They still don't look like the Chiefs. So a, a spread at nine and a half, you know, against a divisional opponent, that has the potential to play really good defense. Mm, I'm sorry, but it, it seems like a recipe for, for a bad, for a bad Sunday. And I just can't jump on it and I can't advise you to do so either. Yeah. I, I can't take that many points on the chiefs, uh, but I, I want no part of the Broncos. I, I'm tired of picking Broncos games. Cause I, I just, I admit, I have no idea what's uh, coming uh, out of that side. Uh, you know, one week they decide to run the ball 400 times and gain a billion yards the next week they're throwing 50 times you know one week the defense is creating 15 turnovers in a game uh the next week they're giving up 600 yards so uh <laughs> i i'm just i'm done uh betting on the broncos one way or the other and uh you know the chiefs in big spreads uh it just hasn't lended itself to a lot of wins so i'm a no-go there uh Monday Night Football has the uh, main event game of the week, probably the 
one of the top, uh, you know, five games of the season uh, so far. New England goes into Buffalo. Buffalo is three-point favorites here, 42-and-a-half on the over-under. Uh, half point uh, in the first half spread, 21-and-a-half uh, on the uh, first half over-under. I'm curious, which way are you leaning here? You like the three, you like the points, Uh you think this is going to be a defensive game? Do you think this guy goes a different way and gets into an offensive game here? Uh, I'm curious what your feelings are, are on this one. I think that the the Patriots are due for a little bit of a letdown. They've been playing so well over the last few, you know, handful of weeks um, that I think they caught a lot of people off guard. If I'm not mistaken, they currently sit in first place in the AFC East. Yes. Um, over Buffalo. So I believe this game is very important for Buffalo because I believe it's going to determine the trajectory that each team's going to take going into the latter half of the season. Um, obviously home field advantage is going to be huge, especially if you're a team like the Buffaloes and the Patriots who tend to get that really home field advantage type weather, uh, you know, during the playoff season. So I think that the, Bills are probably a little bit hungrier uh, in this matchup. I, I think they can pull off the win. I know that the spread seems pretty favorable for, you know, uh, such an important game. But to me, I think the smarter play here, just based off the way both teams have been playing lately, would probably be to take the over in the in the, the points here. Um, and that's only because New England has quietly actually been scoring a lot of points. Uh, and they've gone up against pretty tough teams that have – had pretty good defenses and they still been able to put a point. So I feel like the safer play here would be to take the over, but if you're looking to get a little more uh, daring, a little more action, I'd probably jump on the bills minus three. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the bills here at, at minus three. I, I know you're getting taxed a little bit here, uh, but you know, it, it sounds like a broken record. I say it, you know, every week, but uh, of the seven wins on the Buffalo bills, all seven have been by 15 points or more. That continued last week uh, on Thanksgiving Day versus the Saints. So basically, they either win big or they lose. Uh, so there's no, the spread hasn't even really been a factor. So I, I think that continues here. Uh, maybe we get a close game, but uh, I just kind of like uh, Buffalo here. Uh, the Patriots have been getting a lot of love, uh, but I think Buffalo comes to play at home on Monday night football here. I think we get a little bit more Josh Allen running. Uh, you know, we saw a little bit of that last week. I think that trend continues. So I like the Bills at minus three here, even though the number looks a little bit, uh, you know, off uh, because New England's been so hot. But I, I think money's coming in on the Patriots, and I want to be on Buffalo here at minus three because I think they're the better team. Uh, you know, they've had some letdowns this year, but they've also blown out a lot of people. So I like the minus three. I also think this will be a little bit more of a shootout than people think. Uh, both the Patriots and Bills have really, really good defensive numbers. Uh, but that being said, uh, if you looked at both these teams' schedules, uh, they're both on the lower end. They've played a lot of teams, including a bunch of teams in their own division, uh, that just aren't good offensive teams, which will help boost your defensive numbers there. Uh, so... I think this one has a little bit more of a chance to hit that shootout. So I think this low number, 42 and a half, also goes over. So I'd be okay on closing out our mutuals uh, here, taking Buffalo minus three and the over at 42 and a half on this game. I like it. 
All right. A lot of action on the Bills and Patriots. Uh, so that will be our five. Uh, we're going to go with, uh, what's our first one? Uh, I believe our first one is the Vikings at uh, minus seven over the Detroit Lions. The Miami Dolphins, minus six uh, over the New York Giants. Uh, I believe we had the... Four and a half, wasn't it? Eagles and uh, Jets at uh, 45. And then lastly, we got the Bills, minus three, and the over at uh, Bills Patriots at 42 and a half. So those are our five uh, mutual picks. Let's get into our best bets for the week. Uh, I, I think I'm going to be lame again and not have a, a large slate of games. How many do you got? Well, I originally had three coming into the, into the uh, show, but I'm, I'm going to go with five just to, so that I can kind of spread the love a little bit. Uh, but honestly, three is probably my comfort zone, but I'm going to go with five. Yeah. I'll, I'll try to work my way and add a couple uh, in there, but uh, I think I have uh, two uh, right now that I'm really comfortable with. Uh, so why don't you start us out, and I'll see if I can add one or two in there. Okay. Uh, to start you off, I'm going to take the Minnesota Vikings minus seven versus Detroit Lions. All right. Uh, I'm going with the Buffalo Bills minus three uh, in this game. I, I Like I said, I, I think the Bills, uh, who have been blowing people out or losing outright, uh, good number here at the three at home on Monday night football. Uh, they tend to play out for these big-time games. For my second game, I am going to take the Philadelphia Eagles at minus six and a half versus New York Jets. All right. Philadelphia Eagles minus six and a half versus the uh, New York Jets. All right. Uh, I guess I'll throw uh, one in there. I'm going with the Miami Dolphins minus six uh, over the New York Giants uh, here. So uh, that'll be my number two play of the day. And then uh, I'll have two more I'll throw in there for you. What do you got next? Okay, I'm, I'm making an executive decision, and I'm canceling this one. I had it written down. I actually have money on it now, but I'm going to cancel it off the show because I don't feel confident. I, I had the Raiders at minus one and a half. That's been canceled. Scratch that one. I'm going to go ahead and take the Bills at minus three. All right. Uh, I'm going to... These are my plays. Uh, so we fill out <laughs> the show. Uh there probably won't be a ton of money writing on them on Sunday. Uh, keep that in mind. So I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals minus three over the Chargers. And uh, for my last one, I've got the Bills uh, hitting the over at 42 and a half. All right. My last one. I will ride the Washington football team uh, once again as my plays on the show uh but uh I, I don't know if i've quite talked myself into putting money on it but the washington football team at plus one and a half for us if that's the case don't put any money on this anybody no money on this but i'll take the raiders again at <laughs> minus one and a half just so we have a little head-to-head -head action Somehow they will figure out a way to push a one and a half point. So neither of us. Yeah. Wins. Yeah. Hey, listen, I'll take a push. I'll gladly take a push. In that All game. right. Uh, that's our show for the week. Where can we find you Achilles? Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at TD Achilles. Be sure to like and subscribe. We're going to have our college football playoff preview show tomorrow airing out. And then 
Dynamite David will be back switching from college football to college basketball, and we'll have our college basketball preview start getting into that. We'll have our big, bold pick'em show, and uh, maybe a Achilles Rain appearance on the bold pick'em show just to see what he has in his head uh, for college football. Always a little fun in there. All right. It's, it's not very good. <laughs> That's our show, and we're out. We're out.